This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another Mike Missanelli Podcast. Back refreshed from a couple-day golf trip in Florida. I know I'm taking it tough, but hey, listen, it's tough to play 36 holes in 90-degree weather and then try to get a little sleep after you're partying and play 18 the next day. It's tough on me. Anyway. It is the Mike Masnelli Podcast, doing it on Tuesday, April 25th, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Don't forget that Bet Rivers app. I'm telling you, man, right now you can make some value. If you were betting the Miami Heat all this time, you chunked up. Yes, Bet Rivers app. Get it. I use it all the time. It's fantastic. And the great people sponsor this podcast. All right. So today we got a lot of issues to talk about. And we're going to have uh, a Bo Wolf who uh, covers the Eagles for the Athletic for his spin on the NFL Draft as the NFL Draft approaches us in a couple of days. So let's start off with what we call at the top of the podcast, the current. This is where I go over some current events that are happening, live stuff that's going on right now. So let's talk about the NFL Draft and what the Eagles may do uh, at pick 10 and pick 30. Now, um, here's the thing about the Eagles. So you, you never know what they're going to do, except they are predictable in the players they like to target and, and also the, the manner in which they target it. Now, here's the problem with the Eagles this year. They don't have a lot of middle-round draft picks to trade, but they have a bunch next year that they can use as capital. So here are the possibilities at 10. I think there are two prospects that really intrigue them uh, in this draft. And the one realistic guy that could fall to them or not fall to them, but fall close to them is Jalen Carter, the monster defensive tackle from Georgia, who's got, you know, a little bit of uh, uh, shrapnel uh, in his background right now, which may cause him to slip. So I'm thinking that the Eagles are going to be very fluent here. If Jalen Carter gets to like six or seven, I think you see the Eagles act and and they will trade uh, into that spot. They will trade up. To get Jalen Carter. I think that's the move. If they can't get him, there are a couple things that they can do here. They can take an offensive lineman at 10, uh, 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 Paris Johnson from uh, Ohio State, 
And uh, I think they would do well doing that. I, I wouldn't have a problem at all to take a big offensive tackle. And that's the way they look at it. And he could very well be there when they select. They could take a corner, although I don't know. I think a corner at 10 may be a little too high for them since they have the cornerback position taken care of this year. Uh, are they intrigued by the smaller defensive end, Nolan Smith? From Georgia. He will be there at 10. Would they go for him? Little light in the loafers. More of a 4-3 guy, I think, than anything. But it's possible they could do that. Or there's this offensive lineman that everybody loves, Peter Skaronsky, although the experts think he could be more of a guard than a tackle. Um, so those are the options there. Now, if they can't get any of those guys and are not intrigued by taking the offensive tackle, they would trade back and they would get some middle round compensation to trade back, in which case they could always take a corner there. Uh, now, there, there is also a defensive end named Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. Graded out very well at the combine. But I read this story, and I don't know if it's true or not. We're going to have to ask Bo Wolf about this. That, um, you know, these little tricks they play when they interview these prospects, they give them a little trick. So, uh, the story that I read, uh, or it was on Twitter, so I, I don't know if it's accurate or not, is that uh, they gave this guy a playbook to decipher, and they were going to test him on it, and they put a $100 bill in, in the back of the playbook, and this is a test for to see how honest people are, what kind of character they have. You take the $100 bill, if you think it's for you, you're entitled. Uh, if you take it and you fess up, maybe that shows you got some character. Hey, there was a $100 bill in there. I took it. I didn't know if I was supposed to take it. Or you could take the $100 bill and lie about it, which apparently this is what Lucas Van Ness did. And so that was a test of character. And so the people that reported this say they're, they're now out on that guy as, you know, because he's dishonest and you know, whatever. I don't know if that's a true story. We'll ask Bo Wolf about that. So uh, that, that's the, what, the, what the Eagles landscape is. Now, uh, let's just touch on Jalen Hurts met the media yesterday, said all the right things that he normally does. Um, he says so many right things that he's almost boring. And I know that sounds weird for me to say something like that, but he, he's just so straight and, and, and honest. And I, you know, listen, he's got great character. I, I guess in this day and age, that becomes unusual for me to accept, but here's the thing about the contract and all the experts that know contract and uh, have been extra manager said the Eagles got, a, a got off with a, a pretty good deal here. That that really this upfront money is is really just kind of a three year commitment, uh, and then they can renegotiate, or if it doesn't work out, they can maybe get out of it. He's got that money guaranteed, so he made a ton of money. But the average salary that we're all looking at fifty one million dollars isn't really that quite a reality. And besides that, they managed to to get it way uh, efficient for salary cap purposes. So a brilliant move by the Eagles to get this quarterback, and, and they kind of played on on the. The sentiment that, hey, hey, Jalen, you know, I know you're interested in having a great team for a long time. So uh, here's the way we'll do it. And uh, this way we can build a team around you. You know, teams always like to trick players uh, w with that kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, and listen, if he played the, the good soldier, uh, we don't care about that. We want him to play the good soldier as a fan, I guess. We're not really looking out uh, for, for how much money he can make. We're looking at how he can benefit the team. So all good so far in the Eagles front with the Jalen Hurts situation. The draft are in a comfortable position. Now, here's a, a, an addendum to, to all this talk, to all this football talk. Let's talk about Jonathan Gannon for a second. The defensive coordinator last year, who frankly was a little under fire for the for the 
for the fans that like more aggressive defenses. He was more of a cerebral defensive guy in Philadelphia. We're used to the Buddy Ryan, Jim Johnson, hair on fire type of thing. Uh, you know, the players that were were crazy hitters. Yeah, and I worked with one of them, Seth Joyner, who criticized Gannon a lot for not being as aggressive. And I always looked at it like, okay, I get it. He's not aggressive, but if he's trusting his front four to get to the quarterback, that makes him better on the back end. And he had a pretty good defense doing it that way. So I, he didn't really bother. His lack of aggression didn't really bother me because they produced results until it came to the second half of the Super Bowl. All right? So Gannon now bags a head coaching job. You know what's funny about guys that are defensive coordinators? They kind of fly under the radar. don't talk a lot and don't want to talk a lot. All of a sudden, they get a head coaching job, and they grow big balls. So this guy goes there. As he's got a head coaching job, his balls all sw- get, get all swole, as Allen Iverson would say. So here's what he had to say when quizzed by Mike Florio of uh, Pro Football Report. He said, and I'll quote directly, Philly is a very hard media market. We were 9-0, and and I did my presser, and they say, Coach, we want you fired. I I don't think there was, wasn't one media person that said, Coach, we want you fired. All right, now he goes on to say, and I said, we're the number one defense in the NFL right now in every situational category, in every statistical category. Why do you want me fired? You don't blitz enough. And I said, well, we lead the league in sacks by like a 30-plus sacks margin, so if you want to come call the defense, then you can come have at it. <laughs> now, first of all, it's so childish for him to say something like that, right? He's embellishing this situation because he's what got what I call rabbit ears. He probably heard the scuttlebutt from fans, which fans really shouldn't matter if you're a defensive coordinator, believe in their system. You're going to listen to some idiot fans say you're not aggressive enough. That makes you an insecure guy, right? So, so first of all, nobody, nobody in the media said that. Uh, maybe there were fans got that around and he was listening to Sports Talk Radio one day or whatever it is. Uh, and he wasn't also 9-0. Yeah, it's a small disparity. They were 8-1. And, one. and uh, he, he only got to that 30-plus sack margin uh, in total by, by the end uh, of the season. So, uh, Jonathan, come on, man. You know, seriously. Uh, you got your head coaching job a little too soon, by the way, in your career. So just take the head coaching job and shut the F up. When it comes to taking back alley smacks at the Philadelphia fan base, well, you're 3,000 miles away in sunny Arizona, you creep. All right. So that's the Eagle stuff for today. Now let's go into uh, the Aaron Rodgers. Stay with football. Aaron Rodgers finally traded to the Jets, uh, the hall for the Jets. The Jets always do this, right? Uh, I understand they haven't had a quarterback in a long time. They're desperate. But their desperation now leaks out in the form of this Aaron Rodgers thing uh, that he's going to somehow save the franchise. Well, you know, maybe he can. He's also 100 years old at this point and probably isn't the same quarterback that he was before. So the Jets, so desperate to make this deal, they, 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 they announced it to the world. They're going to make the deal. So they had to make the deal. All Green Bay had to do was sit back and go, OK, yeah, all right, yeah, good. Meet our price. So they, they finally got the price. Here's the Jets get Rodgers. They get the package 15th pick while the Packers the 13th pick. So they flop the first-round picks. The Jets also get a fifth-round pick. The Packers uh, land a, a higher pick of 13 instead of 15. They get a second-round pick this year, number 42. They get a sixth-round pick this year. And they get a conditional 2024 second-round pick, which becomes a first-round pick 
if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps, which is probably a dead certainty. So they're going to get a number one pick out of that. So you get number one, uh, a higher number one. They get a number two, which is number 42, which is a decent second-round pick. And then they get 24 first-round pick, which is pretty good, unless the Jets go to the Super Bowl. Could the Jets go to the Super Bowl? They zoomed up in Vegas to 14-1 to to win the Super Bowl, which is a, a little Aaron Rodgers overreaction. I think the Jets are a cursed franchise. I don't, I don't care what they do. They're a cursed franchise. They're never going to win. Now, they bring this guy in, and, okay, they've, they've got Garrett Wilson, who, who showed a lot of promise. They signed Alan Lazard. Eh, all right. They got Corey Davis. He's an eh. Uh, they signed Nicole Hardman. Eh, and, and they have Brees Hall, pretty good running back. So they think they have what it takes to make a run. They have pretty good defense already. They think Aaron Rodgers is going to take him uh, off the top. Um, we'll see. We'll see how he works out in New York. Different media market than Green Bay, Wisconsin, Aaron. They're going to be on you. They're going to be in your business. You know, you're dating this, 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 this young girl who looks pretty good, by the way. But they're going to be all about your business because that poor rookie, they were all over that kid. Every time he went out to get a date, he could get a, a Slurpee at 7-Eleven. And the New York media w- was following him. So we'll see how you like that, M- Mr. Big Time. But, but I think the guy's just a weirdo. I mean, I appreciate good talent. Yeah, he might be the weirdest quarterback ever who ever lived. Very strange man. So anyway, okay. That's Aaron Rodgers. Let's get into the NBA playoffs. And oh my, my, has the landscape changed. It doesn't change for the next round. It changed for the Eastern Conference Championship. And here's why. Because the Miami Heat and the New York Knickerbockers all of a sudden have zoomed into play. The Heat took a 3-1 lead last night on the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, they got a little bonus because Giannis didn't play two of those games, but he played last night, and Jimmy Butler went off. And every time I watch Jimmy Butler, I feel like I get a knife in the side of my ribs because the Sixers had – I love the guy. I love the way he plays. I think he's a gamer, even though he hasn't had much playoff success. He rolled 56-piece last night on the Milwaukee Bucks. And couldn't, man, I'm watching the game, and I'm going, this is a Milwaukee team that has a pedigree. How in the – Fuck, do you not pay attention defensively to this guy? I mean, he's not Michael Jordan, let's face it. So evidently you're going to have to double him and you got to take a ch- take chances with other guys beating you. And why wouldn't you take a chance with other guys beating you? Who else do they have that's going to beat you? Unless it's Jimmy Butler. And there was no defensive emphasis. He got to every spot on the floor that he wanted to. He's a great medium-range shooter. Is it that difficult? To guard medium range? It can't possibly be. They went off for 56 last night, and the Bucs look cooked. The Bucs now have to win three straight. I mean, I don't know if they're capable of winning three straight because they certainly didn't have any good body language last night. They looked defeated. They didn't have any emotion, and they let Miami carry the play to them. So here's how it stands now. The Knicks will bottle up that series against Cleveland, and the Heat will probably bottle up that series against Milwaukee. They will play against each other for the right to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. So if the Sixers can get past the Boston Celtics, they will face either the Heat or the Knicks to get to the NBA Finals. And I certainly like the chances for that. So let's look and see if they can get past Boston. I've been consistent in saying that I don't think they can. Now, I don't know how much confidence this whole series against the Nets has generated. Uh, for the Sixers, but it also mitigated by the fact 
that Joel Embiid is banged up. And I think for your people out there that are worried about this, I think Doc Rivers is playing a ruse on you. Ru- uh, he, uh, Rivers said that he thinks he's 50-50 to play, to play in the next series. Not in game one, to play in the series, which I think is a bunch of BS. I think it's a smokescreen to throw out. There's no way that Joel Embiid is not going to play in this series. But will he be 100% Joel Embiid to the point where they can beat the Boston Celtics? Let's just look at the ro- – I just want to look at the rosters and because to me, the deeper team, the team to get punch, uh, aside from the starting lineups, the team that survives in this series. So the Sixers, we know their starting lineup is pretty solid. Hard maxing beat, uh, Tobias, and also P.J. Buck- Tucker's not bothering anybody, all right? Uh, and off the bench, Melton, solid. Uh, George and Yang, yeah. Uh, Jalen McDaniels, eh, eh, sometime. and and Paul Reed, who I believe can play against teams like the Nets, but not against the Celtics. All right, so I'm not I'm not fooled by by the Paul Reed strong play in the first round against the Nets. All right, so there there's your bench: Melton, Jalen McDaniels, Niang, and Paul Reed. Now that's not exactly potency. So let's go to the Boston Celtics: Tatum, Horford, Smart. Jalen Brown might be my favorite player in the league right now. Derek White went to the starting lineup. But off the bench, they bring Brogdon, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, who blocks shots and is a center that can really give you good minutes, and the white shooter, the J.J. Redick of the Celtics, Sam Hauser. When they throw him in, he likes to fire threes. I think that the Boston Celtics are a better overall team. That doesn't mean I don't think the Sixers can beat him because I think that you know, they're, they're up against home court advantage with the Celtics. I believe that they would have to win a game seven in Boston, which haunts us because we've seen if you're a Sixer fan, you know they haven't been set very successful against Boston in game sevens. Uh, so the Sixers better win it in six, or I think they lose it in seven. That's my prediction right now. And unfortunately, be the Celtics getting to the NBA finals. All right, though, let's. Just go 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 for uh, one thing here uh, as it involves P.J. Tucker. So Marcus Hayes is a friend of the show. He's been on this show before. Did a story with P.J. Tucker. It was pretty pretty interesting because he went he went down the line with P.J. and where he's played all over the world. He played a lot of years in Europe. So he was giving his highlights about the various stops that he's made uh, in Greece, in the Ukraine, here and there. And so Marcus says, okay, and all those stops. Uh, how was the food? Um, this is what PJ Tucker said. There's nothing like going to a restaurant in the water in in uh, Thessaloniki. Now, I don't even. I think that's in Greece. I don't even know where that is. But then he goes, "I wasn't a big fan of Italy. Italian food in America is way better." than Italian food in Italy. I I swear to God, I spit my coffee. This guy, first of all, with that one statement, has revealed himself to know nothing about food. Because you can walk down an alley in Italy and get a fantastic meal. Are you not saying something like that? Well, you're eating Olive Garden crap here in America, and you're walking to a tavern in Italy where they're whipping up fresh pasta right on the spot for you, or a nice pizzaolo who's going to come out with a wood-fired blistered pizza. Are you nuts? I'm going to bring in Darren DeGaetano, an Italian last name. 
your opinion of that statement. I, I, it's outrageous. That's outrageous. I mean, look, there are some really, really good Italian restaurants in the States. Really good. But you've got to be Everything in Italy is fresh. Right out of the sea. Right from the butcher. Right from the mom's kitchen. Right there. Everything is so fresh. You can't even compare the two. You can't even compare the two. I'm sorry. That's the most outrageous statement. Come on, PJ. What are you doing to me? That's ridiculous. You have revealed you know nothing about food with one statement. And you've been all around the world. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, our first guest today on the Mike Missanelli Podcast, a man who has been just uh, uh, immersed in the uh, NFL draft, which is happening right upon us uh, and covering the Eagles for the athletic. His name is Bo Wolf. Bo joins us today. Hello, Bo. How are you? I'm all right, Mike. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting some sleep when the draft is over. Yes, uh, all, all this uh, preliminary stuff where, where you guys have to ferret out stuff and dig in and do this and do, I, I'm I'm assuming that you can't wait for the day when they actually pick a player. So, uh, Bo, let let's talk about where we stand right now and, and the latest scuttlebutt uh, on what the Eagles may do. The 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 latest rumors, the, the little changes that happened as we approach the draft. Uh, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, the, the nice thing about, you know, Howie Roseman entering like his second decade as general manager is that we have a, a big enough sample size of what he cares about to, to sort of be able to predict maybe better than, than most teams what he's going to value. And so knowing that and talking to people, I sort of I, I sort of think there are like four tiers of plans for the Eagles heading into draft night at 10. You know, when they have a high pick, Howie Roseman is more likely to trade up. He's been more successful in the first round trading up. And I think their plan A is if Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, falls in range at like six or something like that, I think they'd love to trade up for him. And if Jalen Carter uh, gets the pass from them character-wise on their board, then I think they'd love to, to trade up for him too. Um, those are guys are premium players at premium positions that they care about. That's how they want to build the team. If those two guys are not within range, I think plan B is hoping that either Paris Johnson the Ohio State offensive lineman or Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon cornerback, are on the board at 10, and they can sit there and take one of those guys. If all of those guys are off the board and they're on the clock at 10, I think plan C is is hoping that somebody wants to move up and they can trade down and get some mid-round value. Obviously, they don't have any picks in fourth, fifth, sixth round this year. I think they could probably add a, a second or third by moving down. And then if that's not an option, I think plan D is sort of hold your nose and take Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia. I think he's a guy who is not a perfect prospect. It's not a perfect draft, but it's a position that they care about, and he's sort of the next guy up. All right, so Nolan Smith would be taken if they tr- decide to trade back. Or if they if there are no offers at 10 and they have to sit and pick, I think he would be I think he would be the guy absent any of those other people falling. Really? So you so it's possible that they would grab him as early as 10. What about uh Skaronsky that a lot of people are talking about, the offensive lineman? And and do you actually think that they would take a cornerback at 10? I think they would. Um you know, we know that they were interested in Patrick Sertan and JC Horn the year that they drafted Devontae Smith. Last year they were hoping that either Sauce Gardner or uh, Derek Stingley had dropped a little bit and they could move up for those guys. It's a position that they value. Obviously, Darius Slay and James Bradbury are both over 30. They need a a long-term succession plan there. And Christian Gonzalez sort of checks every box you would want. He's young. He tested well. He he played well. He's a a zone specialist. I think it would make sense. Skaronsky, I know there's been links to the Eagles. 
I don't I don't all the way see it because I think if they're going to draft a guy that high, they need to see him as an eventual tackle. Um, I think I think there's a nice path to success where a guy can be the like four position backup year one. If Cam Jurgens is the right guard, he can take over at right guard next year when Jurgens moves to center and then eventually replace Lane Johnson. Paris Johnson is perfect for that. He's already played right guard. He's he played left tackle, obviously. Skaronsky, the arms are so short. And I know that it's like, does this really matter? But his arms are like of all the uh, all pro tackles over the past decade, his arms are shorter than all of them. Uh, I think he's a guard, and I I don't think you draft a guard only guy at ten. I don't think they would do that. All right, so Bo, let me ask you this: How um, Will Anderson looks like he's a you know a really high pick to get down there? What what's the where would they have to get both those players? Where would they have to last to before the Eagles would act to go down from ten? Like Jalen Carter is the most likely guy to slip. So what number would he have to get to for them to act? I think for Carter, uh, if he's on the board at seven or eight, they, they could move up. It wouldn't cost too much to move up two or three spots. There's, you know, there's speculation that the Bears at nine kind of like the idea of drafting Jalen Carter after moving off the number one pick and then still getting, you know, maybe the top talent in the draft. So I think you'd you if you want him, you'd have to move ahead of the Bears. Now, the Bears have a lot of draft equity, too. They could move up and get him if they want. Um, with Anderson, I think if he's on the board at five, you start to really think about it. And if he makes it to six, um, then I think I think Howie would move up. I, I think that's like that's his 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 number one hope. All right, let me run this by because it's something I read, and I don't know if it's fake news or not. Uh, the Lucas Van some mock drafts had them taking Lucas Van Ness, which is not going to happen at 10. Uh, did they actually uh, put a $100 bill in the playbook, and, uh, he, and he took it? Did you hear this story? I haven't heard that. Okay, so there, <laughs> there's a story out there that said that he looked uh, uh, through a playbook uh, they, that they had given him. And uh, they put a hundred dollar bill uh, in the in the back, and that uh, he took it, and uh, and then uh, uh, di- lied about it. They said he didn't take it, and then fessed up that he took it, and so therefore they got Lucas Van Ness off the board. Is that a fake news story? <laughs> I have not heard that. It sounds like a fun draft uh, <laughs> theory. I kind of like a test a guy's character, but I I, I can neither confirm nor deny. All right. Well, you haven't heard it. It's probably fake news then. But I, I, I did read it, and uh, it was really interesting to, to read these little things because they do play mind games with these guys, right? And you might think that's a test, like to, let, to see if you read the actual playbook or not, right? Like that's like, yes, you could you could read it, and yeah, you could read it that way too. Uh, okay, so fake news. Probably. I guess if they asked him and he lied about it, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> All right, well, chances are they're going to take him anyway. So Lucas Van Ness is probably not going to be. Or or is he? Is he a possibility? Do they like him? I think he, I, I mean, without knowing if he's off the board for the $100 bill fiasco, uh, <laughs> I, I would think that he's a, like a potential trade-down candidate. He does sort of fit what they need in terms of a guy who can be, uh, you know, a base end in even fronts and stop the run and then slide inside and be like a 3-4 defensive end. He's got that prototype body. Um, and it's a position that they need, but, but uh, yeah, I think at 10, it's probably a little bit too rich. All right. Um, give me your spin on the B. John Robinson uh, fanfare because a lot of people love him. I love him. Uh, and a lot of people think the Eagles might bite o- o- on that whole thing. What, what do you think? I think 
you know, obviously Howie Roseman has never drafted a running back in the first round. Uh, I don't think he, he sees it as uh, a value position. We know the positions that he devalues. And if you're building a roster after having paid Jalen Hurts a lot of money, you, you have to skimp somewhere. Linebacker and running back tend to be uh, his choices there. That said, like, I, I, he's not going to take Bijan Robinson at 10. I, I just don't see it. It's too valuable of a pick. But in a trade down, I, I could see it um, because – you know, he would obviously affect the offense. My, my issue is that I just don't think that the Eagles are ever going to be the, the team who values him the most, right? Like they're not going to be the highest bidder on Bijan Robinson because they're going to devalue the position a little bit. Um, I, I think it is like the most running back friendly offense in the league because you get to play next to Jalen Hurts and behind a really good offensive line. And so there are teams who would get like a bigger delta from having Bijan Robinson as the running back than the Eagles would. It would make their offense really, really hard to stop. I I, I see the sexiness of it, but I, I just don't think it it sort of jibes with what Howie Roseman cares the most about. Oh, I suppose, um, and, and here's the scenario, because uh, that people feel the same way about a running back, so they don't take him early. And somehow um, he, he, at 22, he's still on the board. They have 30. Could, could you see, even though they're devoid of, of picks in the middle rounds, could you see them moving up to take them uh, somehow? I think that's possible, especially if they've already moved down from 10 and picked up some extra picks in the middle rounds. I could definitely see that. I, I think that is a, a possibility. All right. Will the Eagles draft a quarterback? It depends on if they add enough day three picks. Uh, like if they just sit with what they have now and have only six picks, I don't really see it. Um, but I do think like they care about having a, a cost controlled backup quarterback. That's the whole reason they drafted Jalen Hurts in the first place. So if you've got a few extra picks, you take a swing on, you know, round five, round six, round seven. Obviously it didn't work when they took uh, Clayton Thorson a couple of years ago. That's the whole reason they had to draft Jalen Hurts. But I think they have probably too many needs uh, for depth at other positions that they wouldn't prioritize it. The guy that I kind of do think makes a little bit of sense is Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. If he's, if he's available late on day three, uh, it sort of fits the like template of a guy who has a, a somewhat duplicative skill set with Jalen hurts. He played a lot. Uh, that's a, a, you know, a thing that happens to have a bit of a correlation with success in the NFL. You look at Brock Purdy last year, he's a guy who I would, I would keep an eye on. Okay. So it's the seventh round. Stetson Bennett is there. He's older than both of us. <laughs> you know, he's not older no than thanks. me. He might be older than you. But, but yeah, I get it. But, that's, but see, that's the beauty of it. If you draft a guy who could be your third string guy and he's like an older guy and you, you, don't, you, know, you, don't, you don't feel that you have to teach him that much, is that a possibility with this kid? I don't see it. I don't see the Eagles with, with Bennett uh, because he's older. He's slight. I just I don't I don't see a ton of upside there for for them. I think they would want to want to swing on someone who's got a little bit more. You know, right, we're talking about Wolf covers the Eagles for the athletic. But will, will they draft a punter? I don't think so. I know they need one. I think they'll I think they'll try to sign one uh, and offer like a real opportunity to start. But I don't think that I don't think they draft one. All right. While I have you here, I need to talk to you about uh, the Jalen Hurts contract. And you know, yesterday, you met the media and said all the right things and, and the whole bit. And there are a lot of people that are analyzing this. And in fact, I was just reading uh, Andrew Brandt's analysis, and he says that the Eagles really got a great deal on this because basically, 
it's a three-year deal and and it's not this this lengthy five-year deal where it's an AAV of 51 million dollars that they got off pretty cheap here you agree well, the way that they've structured it uh, matches up with how they tend to structure things like this. Is they've, they've pushed a bunch of money towards the future uh, and given themselves flexibility early on. Jalen Hurts talked about it yesterday. You know, he, he understands, as he said, that it takes a village. He wants them to be able to be uh, flexible enough to, to add players on the roster. Um, the, the contract is sort of designed to be restructured anyway. Um, so it's like, I, I know Brant said it's a three-year deal. It's it's not like that money's not going to come to Jalen Hurts. Like there still is the 170 million dollars of guarantee, but it's like you know they had this Lane Johnson contract that they restructured this year. They just designed these things to be restructured so that they can keep pushing the money forward to give themselves flexibility. And it does sound like Hurts played ball with them on that. Uh, that's an interesting concept that a player would play ball with the organization to help the whole team, right? Like I, sometimes players but, get but, trapped. But I, I do into think that. that it's like it. He's still getting the same amount of money, right? It's not. Um, yeah. It's just about the structure. He he still got. You know, they gave him a few things that you know. I think they get like the the AAV is nice. You know, they gave him the 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 no no trade clause, but they're still they're. I mean, he's still getting paid a lot of money. All right. Uh, overall, when you look at this team right now, uh, what do they need? Where do you see that they're weak? I mean, a lot of places. If if you if you think about it, I mean, I think like just short term who's going to start week one they're like really weak at safety and linebacker um i don't know that they're gonna care about that in the draft but i think like big picture structurally what what would you be worried about i'm worried about injuries at cornerback and offensive line um i think at offensive line you know you've lost isaac sayamalo and andre dillard you had a really good top eight last year now with with jurgens going to right guard you've got jack driscoll as the as the top backup and he's on the final year of his rookie deal the Eagles know better than anybody else that like the easiest way to sink a season is to have a ton of injuries on the offensive line. I think they really need at least one guy there. And then a cornerback you've got, as we talked about with Gonzalez, you've got Slay and Bradbury who are over 30. Uh, they were both healthy last year. You can't count on that. Um, and then defensive line, it's, it's how they want to build the team. Uh, I think at defensive tackle, obviously uh, you've got Fletcher Cox coming back, Jordan Davis, did not show a ton as a rookie. You need him to take a step forward. I think you need another body there. And then, you know, just in terms of like throwing the Andy Reid fastballs, you, you probably need one more edge rusher. And, and, and with what you just said, uh, that's why I'm predicting that Paris Johnson is their selection at 10. I think they, they're in love with this offensive line concept. I think he's going to be there. I think they're going to take him. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if I'm right or wrong or uh where they go with it uh it's it should be interesting all right here's the final question for you bo wolf uh jonathan gannon picked on you poor media guys yesterday said the media wanted him fired uh and and all he did was uh they, they were nine and zero, which is a lie and right. they had the top defense in in the league and they were up, up by 30 plus sacks which didn't happen until later in the year the big bad media wanted him fired we're how did mean. you respond to that well i'd like to apologize i'm i'm sorry that, that we were so mean <laughs> Um, you know, listen, I get that. Like, you know, he probably didn't think that that was going to be recorded. He thought it was like, uh, you know, just, you know, shooting the, shooting the shit with some guys, but like, come on, give me a break. It was it, like, it was not that hard. Um, and you're coming off like this terrible performance in the Super Bowl. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have any tears for that. 
Yeah, there's nothing worse than a coach that has rabbit ears. I mean, rabbit ears not for the media. Rabbit ears for the fans because the fans probably did think that. And guys think, like, I work with Seth Joyner on a postgame show. He did think that. Right. But it wasn't the media that thought that. There were fans that were just so tied into this exactly. aggressive yeah. defensive mindset here in Philadelphia. Come on. He's smart enough to know better than that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I would hope that he does know better and he was just sort of, you know, spinning a yarn and telling the story. But uh if that is really like he, if he really thinks he was like this oppressed, you know, defensive coordinator by by the media, then yeah, I think I think that's probably not accurate. All right, you heard my prediction at ten. The Bull Wolf prediction: the Eagles are on the clock at ten. Who are they taking, uh, or do they trade? What's your what's your sense on what they do exactly? I just had my final uh, mock draft go up on the Athletic. I, I have them taking Christian Gonzalez, um, just because I I think I think they would love to take Paris Johnson. I those guys tend to get pushed up the board a little bit. I don't think he'll be there. And I think Gonzalez is the guy who, if the, if the three quarterbacks go in the top 10 and you get one other sort of wild card, I think he could be there for them at 10. And otherwise I, I think they trade down. All right. I, I lied. There's one other question that I just thought about. And I, it's just because I read it this morning, this, this quarterback notion on, uh, not that it, it applies to the Eagles at all, but, but there's a CJ uh, Stroud, Bryce Young situation here. And then the, the other two are thrown in there. And there's this cognitive test that mm. apparently CJ Stroud did not do well on. Uh, can you shed some light on that and, and how much that weighs into selecting a quarterback? Yeah, I think it probably depends by team. Uh, there's another story up on The Athletic that goes a little deeper into the whole, you know, uh, theory behind the, the S2 test and whatever. But I have heard that, like CJ Stroud may not go uh, at the top of the draft. He may be sliding just a little bit. And I don't know if it's how much it's just based on the test. I think you probably don't want to overweight that, but if it's indicative of larger concerns about him as uh, a guy who, you know, who can, who can read defenses, there is this concern from Ohio state quarterbacks. I think that they have always played with such good wide receivers that like, maybe it's uh, it's a little bit too easy then again, like Joe Burrow was throwing to, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's an overblown concern. All right. We'll see how that all shakes out. Bo, thanks a lot. I know you're going to be busy. And uh, after the draft, you get a little rest. But thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me. It's the Mike Nussanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right. Thanks to Bo Wolf for his insight. I, you know, I get this sneaky suspicion they're going to draft a punter. I think they got like a, a sixth round punter action coming in into play, but uh, it's going to be exciting to see what they do. It's, it's a really interesting draft when you have a draft pick that's that high on whether they can maneuver up or whether they're going to go back and gain some stuff. Very intriguing in the NFL draft. It's going to be fun, and we'll talk more about it the day of Thursday when it begins. It is now time for Mike Unleashed. One thing, Mike, that I thought he was—he said that was interesting. I just want to interrupt you for one moment. You know. It is, it is for writers and for everyone in town trying to figure out what the Eagles are doing. It is good. Now, I think everybody has a good idea of what Howie likes to do. Not that he's predictable because he will make a splash here and there. But it is a good point to bring out that uh, the one benefit of having one of the benefits of having the general manager as long as he has is you can kind of get a better idea of what he's thinking. Yeah, and I, just, I don't think days. he's taking a cornerback well, in 10. I, I just don't see where that's going to happen. But we'll. We'll see um, uh, how this works out. It is time for Mike Unleashed. Now, Mike Unleashed, you know, listen, some, it's unpredictable, Mike Unleashed. I think this is what people like, Mike Unleashed. People are telling me, I'd love the Mike Unleashed. I don't know where you're going to go with it. So today, uh, I'm going to go media world and not sports media world because 
The Earth shook Monday with a couple of high-profile media firings. Uh, Tucker, um, what's his last name? <laughs> Bochu. Uh, all right. So Tucker Carlson <laughs> and uh, Don Lemon. Now, I'm going to give you full disclosure. I loathe Tucker Carlson like I loathe uh, a jock rash. Okay? Like an anal wart. All right? So I'm going to tell you that straight straight away. And sorry for being so graphic, but that's how much this guy moves me. Don Lemon, I, I couldn't care less about. I think, I think the guy was a poser and got what he deserved. But let's start with Tucker Carlson. Um, this guy is, uh, okay. He's the number one rated, uh, host on the number one rated news show, uh, on Fox news. And, uh, his show every night was, was meant to pander to the ignorant that he could con with his blatant lies and white nationalistic fervor. Okay. So, um, that, let's just take you back on, on how this may have happened with Fox. They just lost, uh, a settlement. In a libel suit filed by Dominion Voting Systems, where Dominion settled for $787 million. Uh, If you don't think that this firing was related to that, then you're naive. Because I got to think that Dominion behind the scenes said, oh, by the way, fire that fuck and we'll settle. Otherwise, we're going to trial. Now, I can't prove that, but I highly suspect that that was part of it. In any event. Uh, let's go down. Let's go down the list of Tucker Carlson and his div- divisive uh, broadcasting schemes on a nightly basis. First of all, part of this whole firing may be that he was accused by a producer of sexism and harassment. That has become a taboo in the industry. You do that, you're gone. Uh, but uh, we all know what he did. Uh, the, the baseless conspiracy theories and the election lies that he fostered. Uh, uh, his top writer was forced out in the last couple of years of, uh, because of posting racist, sexist, and homophobic commentaries uh, on a site. One of his uh, staffers liked uh, you know, the liked button. Uh, posts from a site called You Dare, which is a site for white nationalists. Uh, he has a history of broadcasting racist, anti-Semite, anti-immigrant ideology. Uh, he attempted to exonerate the people who participated in the January 6th insurrection uh, as innocent, civic-minded people who were being politically persecuted. And night after night, he fanned the flames of racism and white nationalism while lying on the air just to ponder to his base, a base by the way, that made him a very wealthy man. Now, that is sickeningly disingenuous as a journalist, as as anti-genuine as you can get. It's as anti-I-can't-look-at-myself-in-the-mirror as you can get. And this guy looked in his mirror and smiled, all right? So he's out. And the world, for me, is a better place, although you know he's going to resurface somewhere. He's going to be on some other network. He's going to be on some podcast doing the same crap that he's done for all these years. Crap that made him a wealthy man, just like it made Rush Limbaugh a wealthy man. Neither man really believes in what they're saying. They just go along with the program and make themselves rich. I couldn't do that. These guys had no problem doing it. All right. Let's get to Don Lemon. Uh, (laughs) Listen, 
most of the time he just came off as an overdramatic clown who said ridiculous stuff. Ridiculous stuff that I think he actually believed. Um, and he didn't do it on purpose. I just think he did it out of stupidity. I, I don't really think he was that bright of a guy. Um, and so, obviously, lately we were well aware of his comments on Nikki Haley, who he said wasn't in her prime. And he added, as he's working with two female colleagues on the CNN morning show, a woman is said is said to be in her prime in her 20s, 30s, and maybe in her 40s. Now, are you that stupid, really, to say something like that? Well, okay, so the ratings of the show were low. They didn't know what to do with him. He was pissing off Poppy Har. Uh, what's her name? Poppy Harlow? What? Poppy, what's her name? Poppy, Poppy Harlow. I think it's Harlow. Yeah, who I like, by Poppy the way. I'm Harlow? a big fan. And, uh, and the other one, uh, uh, yeah. Caitlin, uh, who's... Uh, What's her name? I can't see. I don't watch the show enough to know her name, but she's she's the new yeah, flavor. I, I Caitlin either. is beautiful uh, woman, smart, the whole bit. Um, and they weren't getting along, and uh, so uh, uh, he was uh, accused of being disrespectful to his colleagues, all that stuff. That in-house stuff that we don't really know about. But a New York Times report yesterday came out that uh, the, the 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 final straw was uh, his exchange with GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, who has no chance to win the Republican nomination, but uh, he, he got into a, a kind of a, a back and forth with him um, where this guy was fostering lies about uh, black people's rights in, in America following the Civil War. And I, I got to be honest with you, uh, and we're going to play this in a second, Don Lemon was right to stand up to this clown. And if this was a linchpin for him to get fired, then uh, then he, he shouldn't have been fired. This was the trigger that got him fired. Then it, they were just looking for something else. But I actually thought Don Lemon was right about this. So let's listen to it. So with due respect, I find I find your explanation reductive and actually insulting, including to black Americans, to say that black people today compared to 1964, 1865, haven't made progress in part because of the freedoms we secured. And the Second Amendment was black part of the way Hang on, please. Freedom. I cannot keep a thought if you guys are talking to me in my ear. So uh, hang on one second. So to say that that black people say, say what you said again. Black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War. It is a historical fact, Don. Just study it. Only after their Second Black Amendment rights have, were secured. They were not secured their freedoms after the Civil War. That is not, you're, you are discounting uh, uh, Reconstruction. You're discounting a whole host of things that happened after the Civil War when it comes to African Americans, including the whole reason that the Civil Rights Movement happened is because black people did not secure their freedoms after the Civil War and, and that things turned around. People would try to change the freedoms that were supposed and to And you know how they the got it? They got their Second Amendment rights and they actually got, the NRA played a big role in that. But today, down the final... The NRA did the, not play a big role. They train black Americans how to use firearms. That's a lie. That's not. The NRA did not play a big role. This is just historical fact. It's not a historical fact. The part that I find because you say it's historical fact. The part that I find insulting is when you say today black Americans don't have those rights after we have gone through civil rights revolution in this country. You are sitting here telling an African American about the rights and what you find insulting about the the way I live, the skin I live in every day. Here's where you and I have a different point of black and white that black people don't have in this country, and that black people do have. Well, here's where you and I have a different point of view. I think we should be able to 
to express our views regardless of the color of our skin. We should have this debate I'm not saying you without me regarding views, you as a black man, insulting that but you're me regarding here, you as a fellow citizen. You're That's sitting what I think here, we whatever ethnicity you are, explaining to me whatever ethnicity about I'm, I'll what tell it's you, like to be black Whatever America. ethnicity I'm I am, I'll tell you what I am. I'm an Indian American. I'm proud of it. But I think we should have this debate. Black, white, doesn't matter. I think we should have this on debate. The content of the ideas. Do it, you should do it in an honest way and in a I fair think, way. And what you're doing is not an honest and fair way. We appreciate you coming on. With due respect, Don, I look forward to continuing that conversation. Conversation. We'll Thank you. The conversation. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you, Pop. So, so there it was. I mean, I think he stood up. He, he stood up for for his race, and the, the guy it w- was trying to make conclusions about another man's race he knew nothing about. He didn't live in Don Lemon's shoes. He didn't live in, in, in the shoes of Black America. So, uh, unfortunately, if if that was the the final straw for Don Lemon, that's a shame because that was the final straw where he was actually right about standing up. All right, one other thing on Mike Unleashed today. I'm watching the NBA playoffs, and guys are just falling. They're dropping like flies. Guys are getting hurt. They're getting broken limbs. They're getting sprains. They're getting ACL, whatever it is. And I'm going, you know, the, this is a, a conversation for the people who, who always tell me the basketball was better back in the day. And I'm going, these guys, especially in a playoff mode, play with such breakneck speed they put their they, they put their bodies in peril every game because of the, the speed and athleticism of the game because the game is played in the air and you have no control over your body it's played hard it's played fast it's played hard at the basket i'm tired of hearing about the bad boys in detroit and this and that these guys when you're going faster and when you're more athletic and guys are colliding with you and meeting you at the rim there's more of a chance you're going to get hurt. This sport is played at a crazy pace these days, and that's why guys are getting hurt, and that's why I think basketball is better today than it ever was. Not one of these old-school guys, even though I'm older. Oh, it's better when Bob Cousy was dribbling. You know, your sister, all right? Just look at the NBA, appreciate it. And if you're one of those idiots that say, oh, we watch it for the last three minutes. Oh, well, they don't play any defense. Get your goddamn head out of the sand and appreciate the game. All right. That's Mike Unleashed for today. It is now time for three questions for Mikey Miss. Oh, three questions for Mikey Miss. I have a bonus question for you. For those uh, people listening, they don't see us yet. You'll see us soon. But I never really pegged you, Mike. You're you are a uh, you are a non logo wearing baseball cap guy. You have his very nice lid on today, but no logo, no nothing, just the color that uh, that Kendall Roy look. If you're a Succession fan out there, he wears them all the time. Like I, I don't get that. I, I, I no logo. How long have you been doing that? What's with the no, no this logo, has a logo cap? This has a logo. There. Where it's on the side. Oh, on the it? side. Okay, I did not see yeah, it. Yeah, this is a, this is a side logo. Okay, um, I I don't wear team logos. I will wear hats that have a golf course logo on it. I won't right. wear, or I'll wear a polo hat. I do not wear team apparel. I, that's fair enough. I actually have a lid on today. For those obviously you can't see me either. Uh, you know, it's got the beach and bark logo. Sur- dog on a surfboard says a lot see, of. See, man, that would be as far as I, the logo would be okay. It was just the uh, the, the dog on it. Oh, you got to, to me. You got to keep the the logos simplistic to right. really be effective. The dog logo, like a paw, like that Clemson logo with just the paw. Yeah, that's a great logo. Like that. so that logo, that hat you have on has been soiled by it's a patch 
Like it's a patch that's sewn on it. If that right. just had the embroidered dog on it, that would be the coolest hat ever. Right. Plus, you have a half hat on. What do you mean the half hat? The trucker the style hat? hat? You, got, you got the mesh on the back. I mean, come that's on. It's the dude. trucker style look. Hey, but the, 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 the mesh. Comfortable I, the, the mesh hat is a bad look. The half mesh. Bad luck, dude. Bad. Eh, well, I don't know. I, I just know, right. I don't get anyway, what's no the question at all. No patch logo at all. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, as, as I digress here. Okay. Three questions. The first question, Mike, for you today, uh, obviously, uh, when it comes to cable news, it was a pretty wild day yesterday with the, uh, with the firing of Tucker Bochu and also Don Lemon. So I have to ask you, is there a what is your like preferred news anchor? Don't say uh, someone local. We you and I both watch all the local people. We catch Mike Jarrick and Alex in the morning on Fox. We catch uh, Channel six, Channel 10, Channel three, all of them. So let's go cable news or nat or national. Do you have a preferred news anchor that you uh, if he's on or, or she's on that you prefer? I don't watch news anchors. <laughs> I don't I don't watch local news. I, I can't even tell you who the anchors are on the local networks. Oh, come on. Sure you do. I, I, I don't. I don't watch local news programs. At all. Okay. No. I, I mostly get my news from reading. So oh, I man. don't watch local news anymore. I just don't have any uh, desire uh, okay. to do it. I, there's I will, nobody uh, on cable I, where you, if you have to sit down and watch it a half hour or an hour of news that you prefer. There's no one there. No, I, I don't. There isn't anybody on television that I have to say I have to sit down and watch. No, Nobody is intriguing enough for me right. to, to watch. Plus, I don't like the panel shows because, um, you know, you're just getting, there's no need for me to watch a panel show because they're they're one side. First of all, I've never watched Fox News. I, I'm aware who's on Fox News. I, know, I don't watch it, and I don't watch CNN really. Or I I have never watched uh, C, uh, MSNBC. Yeah. So uh, I get my my news basically from reading uh, internet sites and uh, New York Times and uh, I, things that I think are going to give me uh, more valid instead of a discussion piece. I will say one of the best moves I've ever made in my life. A couple of years ago, I gave up cable news altogether. I never really watched a lot of it, uh, but I don't watch any of it. Any of it now. If there's anyone listening who has not done that, I implore you: cut the cable. No pun intended on all types of cable news. It's all nonsense. Yeah, I listen. It's I think uh, sometimes I'll catch a, a panel show on CNN. I, I think there are some smart people. That they put on the panel. Sometimes I'm, uh, but it's not like I go, oh, I got to watch this show. I, it's yeah. it's basically by accident that I put it on when I'm scrolling, uh, and I'll go, okay, let's see what the news uh, CNN is doing right now, or something like that. But I don't put on. I know there are a lot of uh, so-called liberals that swear by MSNBC. I, uh, I, I don't. I'm now. I couldn't tell you who's on there. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Maybe Rachel Maddow, Maddow is on there, but I, I don't watch that. Okay. Yeah, Jake Tapper's probably the only one where if I'm flipping and I see him on that I'll Yeah, I'll he got a little too uh you know, I I used to like him, uh but he got a little too over the top for me, too little self-important. So I no longer care about Jake Tapper. There you go. All right, that's question number 1. Question okay. number 2, the NFL draft begins with round 1 this Thursday. Uh we're going to have Matt Miller from ESPN.com, uh their lead writer 
for uh, the NFL draft. Well, he is going to be part of their coverage, by the way. I read today. He is. So we're going to yeah part of of the uh, the the coverage on uh, the the TV coverage of the draft. Yeah, and Matt's very good. And if you haven't read him, uh, his uh, he's I I I would suggest you take him up at ESPN.com. Mike, is there a moment in Eagles draft? Day history could be any day, any round, but is there any moment that really stands out to to you more than any other? Yeah, it was when uh, the Eagles took Marcus Smith uh, from Missouri. That was the Chip Kelly draft, the linebacker from Missouri. And uh, I remember getting on the air and just lighting it, lighting the Eagles and Chip Kelly up. I. I was astonished that they had taken this guy. And people were calling in and saying, what do you know about the draft? You don't know. They know more than you. I go, this would be the worst draft pick that they could ever possibly pick. This guy is not even on the radar on every, any other team in the NFL. And uh, so that was the one that incensed me the most. And it was you know, not that long ago, actually. I have a quick story. The year that they took John Harris out of Virginia, I'm in the Eagles locker room doing a show, producing a show for WIP. Back then, NFL round one draft day was on a Saturday. And I was producing for Ray Dittinger and Rhea Hughes. Three of us are in the locker room. Uh, Ray Rhodes comes out and tells us it's going to be John Harris, the defensive lineman. You guys know all this. Remember the story, the history with him. What a bust. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I'll never forget the look on Ray Dittinger's face when I looked at Ray and said, Ray, I can't find this guy. I don't know anything about him. And Ray is the most thorough, you know, researcher in the history of the game. He looked at me like I had six heads, and he goes, I have nothing on him. I can't find him anywhere. I'll never forget that. Yeah, yeah, that was also a very memorable, horrible draft. And and listen, I'm going to fess up here because people are going to say, well, aren't you going to bring up your reaction when they pick Jalen Hurts? So I will. Um, I thought it was ridiculous. I absolutely thought it was ridiculous that they had taken Jalen Hurts with the second second uh, round pick there. I, I thought it was a Jeffrey Glory. I watched Saturday football pick, and and I, Jalen Hurts seems to be a good guy. There, there was absolutely no reason that they had to take Jalen Hurts there. In fact, the w- the word was that had they included that second round pick, they could have moved up to take C.D. Lamb, who was my favorite receiver in the draft. They wanted to take him Rager. And they wanted to take in Jalen Hurts, and I thought it was foolish. But see the way fate works out, uh, you know, I think that it was foolish, and they got lucky. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes that happens. Could not possibly agree more with you. Foolish and lucky. Question number three, Mike, my, uh, my daughter, as you know, uh, Danny's a very good softball player. And with our team, uh, the girls, they, they have walk-up music. You know, we make it fun for them, right? So mm-hmm. she's in eighth grade. Um, you are a longtime baseball player. You're still playing in a men of your, uh, of a certain age league. If you could have one song be your walk-up song for baseball, what would your walk-up song be? Uh, I, I <laughs> never really thought about this question, but, uh, uh, I, <laughs> to jazz me up, I gotta go DMX. X gonna give it to you. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> So that, yeah. just a scared of pitcher. I'll give it to <laughs> That's what that's what I would go. go oh, that's great. Uh, I think. Uh, by the way, Danny, she she, she loves Bryson Stott, so she's taking uh, his AOK uh, by Ty Verdish. I think that's her song going to be for the rest of the year. Anyway, that is three questions for Mikey. Yes. 
All right, let's finish it up today with uh, my thought of the day. My thought of the day, uh, you know, sometimes I pick up some things. I'm, I'm, I'm reading the internet, I'm scanning the internet for news. And this interesting story came my way. Um, it, 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 a rapper named Designer, that's D, uh, two I's in Designer, by the way, D-E-S-I-I-G-N-E-R. Uh, he, I believe, is from uh, Minnesota. Um, and uh, he... Uh, he has a song out, and we're, we're going to play it. It's a, it's a, uh, he's got a hit, uh, a rap hit called Panda. Uh, we'll play it in a second, but that's not the story. Uh, my man Designer is, uh, uh, has a federal charge uh, on his shoulders for indecent, indecent exposure for masturbating on an international flight. About an hour into a flight from Tokyo to Minneapolis on Delta, uh, my man decided, uh, as they said in that Seinfeld episode, to take it out. Um, he he was told, "Hey, dude, you can't do that." And so then, um, uh, a few minutes later, he tried to cover it up with a blanket while he took it out while while my man was was working it. And it was told a th- another, another time. And so his people uh, got a hold of him and they moved him. Um, from first class to the to the back of the plane where there was an open seat because the obviously he was disturbing the people in first class. <laughs> so when he gets up from his first class seat to move to the, the back of the plane, uh, the coach, a jar of Vaseline <laughs> dropped on the floor. <laughs> my man, my man, come on now. Uh, so he tells the FBI people the reason why he did it is because he quote. Didn't get much in Japan, and uh, I didn't have uh, anything in like a week. So he was—he <laughs> was dying. To, he was dying come to scratch on. one out on the airplane. What? Come, come on, designer. What are you doing to me, Hulk? Come on. In any event, let's uh, let's sample a little uh, uh, design. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to hear this now. <laughs> no, no, he's a he's a good rapper. The song actually is a great rapper. Let me see. Let me see if I can call it up oh, here for a second. Yeah. Um, uh, here we go. Oh, this dude. is a panda. This is panda from designer. Oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta flow with it after this intro. Hey, my man, but you gotta keep it in. Keep it in the drawers, man. Keep it in the holster. He took. It's out. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, Panda. Panda, Panda, Panda. Yeah, I like it. Huh. All right, designer. Listen, I got I got all kinds of love for your rap career, but my man, you gotta keep it in the pants when you're on the airplane. Oh, People don't like right. to see that kind of thing. All right, so that's uh my thought of the day, designer, please keep in the pants, and I hope your uh, rap career is thriving. All right, time to close it out today. Darren had mentioned it a couple seconds ago. Yes, the Mike Missinelli podcast will soon be going 
video. Yes, the video people were in last week to hook it all up. So instead of hearing this just with sound, you will see Mike Missanelli live doing the podcast on video. Now, now where will they be able to see this, Darren? We are working on all those final details, so I don't have all that information yet. Oh, you don't have the information. So, the, when, so when they, they put this up, it'll be video we'll that they the can option, see I believe. on their screen. Yes. Yes, you can watch on your phone, your laptop. You'll be able to see. You'll be able to all see right, So all show. subscribers, and please subscribe to the Mike Masnelli Podcast. It's very easy. You will then get the video of uh, the, the podcast and, and all the highlights that we'll be able to throw in there now that we're on video. So that's going to be cool. All right. So uh, I got a little uh, something to tell the people that are, uh, are in the Ballakinwood area, or if you just want to make a road trip, I'll be doing another book signing with my book, The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. Uh, and if you look at my Twitter, you go my Twitter, you can find out exactly. I have it pinned. Uh, the event is Saturday, April 29th, this Saturday, at St. Matthias Gym in Bala Kenwood from 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, now, this is part uh, of the JBF Eastern Main Line uh, program. Now, here's, here's what that is. It, it's just a really cool thing that I just recently learned about. Um, just between Friends Eastern Main Line is a pop-up children's consignment event. It happens two times a year. Uh, we we help families say yes to being able to provide affordably for their growing family. Spring sale event features new and pre uh, pre uh, spring and summer clothing provided by local families for boys, girls, shoes, baby equipment, gear, maternity items, feeding and bathing supplies, bedding, room decor, outdoor and indoor toys, sports equipment, electronics, books, games, musical instruments, toys, babies and child furniture, strollers, so much more. So. Uh, if you're in, in uh, you know, need stuff like this and it's very affordable for uh, the families, I will be there uh, signing copies of my book, The Adventures of Shima the Shiba. And I'm, I'm delighted to be there. Just Between Friends, Eastern Main Line is a really worthwhile venture. It only happens two times a year. So it'll be, uh, you, 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 I, I posted on my Twitter, so you can see it on my Twitter to get more information on it. Uh, but it is going to be at St. Matthias. In, uh, in Bala, Kenwood, uh, PA, and I'll be there from 1 to 3, but it goes on all weekend long, the, the consignment event. So just check it out. Saturday, April 29th, St. Matthias Gym in Bala, Kenwood from 1 to 3. I will be there from 1 to 3, uh, uh, but the event will uh, go on uh, for a really long time. So hopefully we see everybody there. I'm looking forward to seeing some people out there. Um, I guess that's about it. That my Twitter is MikeMiss25. You can get that information. It's pinned right in my profile uh, for the book signing. Uh, also, you can email me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. And uh, we have a, my website is being redesigned as we speak. So you're going to have access to all the stuff that uh, Mike Miss uh, is involved in, including uh, Natalie Vineyard's The Winery, where uh, springtime is coming. We have plenty of events planned. Uh, and we're planning to uh, put in a, a nice pizza oven and have wine and pizza coming up. So all kinds of good stuff is happening. All right. I think that's about it. Darren, you got anything else? Uh, just a reminder, Matt Miller, ESPN.com, part of ESPN's draft coverage, will join us on Thursday. We'll be talking mostly Eagles and NFL dr draft on the Thursday edition of the Mike Missinelli podcast this week. Awesome. All right. So thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast, episode 72 today, brought to you by the great people at Bet Rivers. Don't forget to bet, uh, download the Bet Rivers app. 
All right, everybody, have a great, beautiful day out there. A little, little nip in the air here. I love these kind of spring days. The grass grows fine. It is Mike Missanelli. Have a great day. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.